Welcome into Two Four Drafts, the Tuesday edition of Two Four Drafts. Mike, we haven't done a Tuesday podcast in a while, but it is draft week. We are doing all things draft this week. And a ton of reporting's coming out. Smoke. I don't know if it's smoke. I don't know if it's real. What's like the craziest thing you've heard over the past couple of days about the upcoming draft? We're seeing a ton of things reported right now. I think it's just that you're hearing so much right now. We haven't heard anything for like weeks on end and like nothing's really changed like there shouldn't be anything that's changed but we're hearing just crazy stuff going on i think the fact that ian rapport said two running backs could go from 26 to 30 blow my mind (laughs) two running backs in that range i know the ravens maybe could go running back they actually like emphasize the running game a running back might actually matter there but like the chiefs would they go running back they just had damian williams Almost win, you know, Super Bowl MVP. I don't know who else in that range would be going running back, but saying two could go off the board there is crazy to me. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's absurd. I, I feel like it's, uh, I don't know, man. I, I can't tell if it's smoke. I think the running back stuff's true. I had someone ask me recently, how many running backs do you think will go in the first round? I said, will go. It could be one, could be two. You can't predict what teams will do, but should go. I said, I wouldn't draft a running back before the third round. Like, I just wouldn't. Like, it does not make sense to value the running back position that highly on, day, on, on round one or two. See, I keep saying zero. Like, I keep saying zero because I feel like they – Teams know, right? Like, there's enough information out there. There's enough like case studies that teams have to see that that's not you don't get you don't recruit your investment in first rounders. Like it just doesn't happen. So I want to I want to believe I want to think that this is the year teams actually know. But it is still crazy to me how much teams fall in love with a guy at a position and can't, you know, open their horizons to being, to seeing that maybe someone else can be just as good or not, if not better later in the draft. All right, well, let's get to this podcast here. We were going to do a full preview of all 16 teams in the NFC. The Monday podcast would be AFC. I think it was over an hour long. It was a good podcast diving into each team, the draft capital they have, prospects to target, trade scenarios for those teams, a bunch of stuff there. And before we dive into our first team, the Dallas Cowboys, I have to say this a lot. I'm getting a ton of emails, a ton of emails about the Edge Monthly giveaway. I am announcing or giving out, not going to announce on the podcast every single person getting one, but I will email those Edge Monthly subscriptions tomorrow. I will do it tomorrow, Wednesday before the draft. Really excited to do that. If you still want to enter the contest, I'm giving 20% of all that enter an Edge Monthly subscription, a free Edge Monthly subscription. All you have to do is leave a review on the podcast, screenshot it, make sure that review includes the name of your favorite prospect, and then it's email that screenshot to me at austin.gale at pff.com. All right, Mike, let's get into the podcast here, starting with the Dallas Cowboys. They're in a situation, and I kind of hate the 17 pick for the Cowboys just looking at their needs they need edge and they need cornerback and i think they're the best cornerbacks are going to be off the board and the best edge defenders are going to be off the board i think they're in a perfect situation to trade back we've talked about this before they have a ton of players on their roster getting paid a lot of money or will get paid a lot of money in the near future with that being said load this roster up with rookie contracts trade back and allocate positions of need later in the draft because i don't think they're several players away but i do think they need to you know allocate some of that draft capital later in the draft so they can you know mitigate some of that cap resource they have spent on veteran players yeah they need they need guys who are cheap right now and they really need as many of them as humanly possible to fill some fill out this roster Uh, and again like you said where they're picking 17th there's not going to be great value on edge rusher there's not going to be great value at cornerback dream scenario would be you know cj henderson falls to them Uh, i don't think that's going to happen so obviously we like christian fulton 
I don't know how much the Cowboys like Christian Fulton, but I think you could see a scenario or if, if that's, if they're not going to go Christian Fulton, if they like other guys better, it doesn't make any sense to me to stick at 17. Like trading I, back is the most likely. They, they seem like a team. If they're not in the market to move up for a CJ Henderson, which again, we, we keep saying we think they'd be crazy to just go after one guy with how many, how much they're paying, you know, only four guys in their roster right now. We do think that, or I do think that just trading back, you'll get much better value at corner edge, maybe a couple of different positions you'll be able to pick. Yeah. I mean, I constantly find myself like if they do stick at 17, having to take like a Trayvon Diggs at 17, Jalen Johnson of Utah, maybe you said Christian Caleb on chase on if he's there though, a lot of people are saying he's not going to be there at 17. The Falcons will jump at the opportunity to Kate to take Caleb on 20 chase. guys. Aren't going to be there at 17 now at this point. <laughs> I know that's true. That's true. But regardless, Dane Brugler was on the podcast recently. Yeah. He said he does not think CJ Henderson or Caleb on chase on will be there for the Cowboys at 17, which could force them to reach on a position of need like cornerback at 17, bringing in a Trayvon Diggs, like saying like it, like what is in Dane's latest mock draft. All right. But regardless, we can't predict trade down situations. Maybe they trade down with the Saints, who I know you are very confident are trading up in this class. Maybe they trade down with another team. Regardless, if they stay put with the picks they have in the first three rounds, 17, 51, and 82, let's start with that 17 pick. If they stay put, best case scenario that you think is actually realistic for them to attack at 17? <sighs> That's tough, man. Like, so I don't I don't exactly know what kind of defense Mike Nolan plans are running. I don't, I don't know their scheme for That's great. But seeing as you know the reports that they're high on Trayvon Diggs, He's very dissimilar from a Christian Fulton. So I don't think that that's where they like Christian Fulton, obviously our number two cornerback. I don't think that's where they'd go. So if they were to stick at 17, a position like dream scenario would be like a defensive tackle falls to you. I think like either Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown, that's like a possibility of that happening uh, or CJ Henderson. But like I said, I, I don't love, you know, if, if we go, if we see like a chalk draft in terms of, you know, all the people who are rumored to be off the board by the time the Cowboys are picking, I just don't love sticking there. All right. Moving to picks 51 and 82 in the draft guide, PFS draft guide that you can get with an edge or elite annual subscription using promo code draft 20. You have Connor Williams is the only poor or below average player on the interior offensive line. Could they go into your offensive line at say pick 51 or 82? Yeah, I mean, you're ready like that. Connor Williams, second round pick, even though he wasn't great this past season, like you're still banking on him developing. Connor McGovern's now your starting center. He was a mid rounder, I want to say, their fourth rounder, I want to say, out of Penn State. I think you're still like banking on those guys. I'm not sure your second or third rounder is going to come in and be an upgrade over those guys right away. Could be, but uh, it might not be. Like, that's you're not necessarily going to be better there. So I don't think you have to address it. I probably would at some point by pick 123. I'd, I'd like to have another interior offensive line just for depth, but I don't think that's a complete necessity. I think they could be active in this tight end class. Like if Cole Komet is still on the board at 51, I think you could see that being the pick for the Cowboys. I, I think they will attack tight end, even though they signed, re-signed Blake Jarwin. Uh, I think the way they, like Mike McCarthy has used tight ends in his offense as well uh, over the course of the years. I think they'd want one for Dak Prescott if one is available. 
All right, jumping to the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. Give me an overview of the targets at pick 21. Everyone has this team taking either a wide receiver or LSU off-ball linebacker Patrick Queen. That's the that's the most often mocked thing I've seen. It's either a wide receiver like Jalen Rager, Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, or Patrick Queen. Is that how you see this as well? Yeah, just because I think that's where the value is going to be. And well, one is linebackers so bad for the Eagles. Like it's beyond and TJ Edwards, Nathan Jerry. Like that's not it's one of the worst linebacker cores in the NFL. Like you, yes, you don't want to draft for need. And yes, you don't want to draft less valuable positions. But when it's that bad and you're that good of a team like the Eagles, sometimes that can be your best sort of, you know, course of action. So uh, I like Patrick Queen. I wouldn't argue with taking him at 21. So that. Fit makes a lot of sense. The Justin Jefferson fit makes a lot of sense uh, with what they have. And Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, J.J. Arthur Whiteside, all, you know, outside sort of receivers at this point. Obviously, Deshaun Jackson has some versatility, but I think the other two guys are firmly, you know, not slot receivers. So Justin Jefferson can slide in there. That one makes sense, too. And then we we keep saying they need to address cornerback. They obviously traded for Darius Slay, but it's still not great across from him. You know, Vontae Maddox in there right now. Uh, Sydney Jones, an option. I, I think they could address that, but maybe not necessarily first round. That could be a little later on. All right. Well, I, I think the cornerback pick could be better in the second round. Do you think that's where I think that's where some value could be for the Eagles if they do go wide receiver or Patrick Queen in the round in round one, and then maybe sneak back around and grab a cornerback in round two? Well, it depends. It's if they go if they don't go linebacker round one, they better they better go linebacker round two. Like you can't wait all the way to pick one Oh three before you address linebacker. You're not going to, you're going to have the worst linebacking core in the NFL next year. So I do think linebacker will be one of their first two picks at this point. But you always uh, say don't draft for need. You, I, I don't you're know. You're a good like, team though. Like okay. you're, you, you are a good team and the linebackers in the second round should be good. Like Jordan Brooks, if he's on the board at 53 Texas tech is the, is a good value play there. If, I don't know. Logan Wilson's on the board at 53. He could it'd just be an upgrade there. There's some, there's a balance. This, yeah, strike a balance between draft for need and then having massive, massive holes in your roster. It's not reach for need. It's, you know, once you get to the second round, you, there's much broader tiers in my mind than early on in the draft. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's flesh it out here. Picks 85 and 103. They're two third round picks. Where do you see they, that? They Linebacker. Up, so they they traded away 85. Gotcha. For the Darius Slay one. So it's 103. And that's why I said, like, it could be, but 103 is so late to be addressing linebacker to think you're going to get a starter at that point. I I think Willie Gay is going to be off the board by then. The guy we kept saying maybe back in the third, he's going to be off the board at that point. I don't know who you're going to necessarily be getting at that position. That could be where they address cornerback, could be where they address safety, because obviously Jalen Mills, that safety position not someone I want to be rolling in as a, as the starter next season. So that could be more value at the safety position there. We could, we love, I mean, the guy that we would love to see at the back end of the third round, you know, Geno Stone would fit yes. nicely in there with what they do defensively. Yeah, that'd be great. All right, jumping to the Washington Redskins. And I've heard recently from an analyst that the Redskins are the only team in a position that don't need to trade down. They can either take a quarterback to upgrade over Dwayne Haskins into a tongue of Iloa, or they could take Chase Young, a generational talented edge bender. I look at this team, they only have pick two and 66 in the first three rounds, and they have holes 
everywhere. I look at him as they have an opportunity to potentially trade down if a team wants to come up for Tua Tungavailoa or hell, even Chase Young and maybe add three or four starters with the picks they allocate going down from two to five or two to six. I, I really like the Washington Redskins trading down. I don't see them as this locked in team to pick it too because this this roster is not good anywhere. Yeah, well, the one position where not to say they're good, but that they like they have a first rounder at and an actual good player is at edge. You know, the one position where they're going to draft Chase Young, they already have Montez Sweat from last year and Ryan Kerrigan. Now, Ryan Kerrigan's getting old, whatever. He's probably not any part of your long-term plans. But, like, that's one position if you were to say they really don't need in the upcoming draft, it would be that. But I, I still don't think they're going to pass on Chase Young. But this is, like, this is a roster that needs talent in a lot of places. We only have them with six guys who are with above average projections heading into 2020. That's a bad in their starting lineup, six guys. That's a rough, it's a rough starting lineup. Like there's a reason they have the second overall pick. It's because it's bad in a lot of different places. I, I think the biggest thing will be, do they see that? Hey, we don't have a second round pick. We dealt that for Montez sweat last year. Do they say, they finally move on from Trent Williams and be like, we need more draft capital. We can't, okay. we can't keep getting in this pissing match. We're going to flip Trent Williams. Uh, maybe it's the Browns who are interested. I don't know who it will be, who's interested Flip him for a second, whatever, and get some more draft capital because they do need to reload this roster in a big, big way. That's my opinion. Maybe you don't trade down from two, but you do move, say, Trent Williams to gather a second round pick. I mean, they need mm-hmm. players. I mean, they have only two picks inside the top 100 when they could use, I think they need depth at quarterback. They need starters at quarterback. Trotting out Fabian Moreau is just not going to get it done. They have unproven talents like Jimmy Moreland, Troy Apke. Like I, I just, and the offensive line isn't good. I mean, you trade away Trent Williams, you're starting Morgan Moses and Cornelius Lucas at offensive tackle behind a quarterback and Dwayne Haskins that still very young, still very inexperienced. Like, what are your expectations for this team if you draft Chase Young. It's not going to move the needle from three and 13 to playoff caliber. You need a lot of a talent. You need an injection of talent at multiple positions. So I, I wouldn't hate the, I, I know Chase Young's like the most surefire pick in this class, future hall of famer, his gold jacket's already made up, but I mean, <laughs> adding three starters, like if you can get pick six, I'm thinking maybe Dolphins pick five, 18 and 39. I mean, you, you could add some legitimate talent to this roster and, and build it up for Dwayne Haskins to potentially get better in the future. I don't know. I, I just don't think they should be locked in on Chase Young. At least consider, at least consider the idea of trading back. That's the thing. It, it's going to depend on the offers though. Like you said, five, 18, 39, you do that in a heartbeat. If it's five and 39, do you do that to give up on Chase Young? No. Like that's the thing. It depends on what offers are coming in and how desperately people want to. Uh, it's easy to say from this side. We always say, "Oh yeah, trade back for a QB," but it, you know it takes two to tango, and you're never going to know exactly what was offered if they do draft Chase Young. And and especially it'll be it'll be tough to know or if like the Lions don't even trade back. There might not be the sort of movement we expect at the top of the draft. But I still I still think the Chargers. I still we talked about that in the last pod. I'm still 100% sold that that's what they're going. If they stay put at 6, you know, stay put at 2, grab Chase Young and then at 66, they don't they aren't able to trade away Trent Williams and, yeah. and gather another second round pick. If they have to pick at 66, what are some options there? Cuz that's still a very good pick. It's top of the third round. You can mm-hmm. still get a top 70, top 75 player on your board. Like I think you can still add value here. Who are some names that make sense for the Washington Redskins at 66? I think offense, you know, if, if you did, went chase young, you're in on Haskins, you can't, can't let him roll out with that offensive line right now. And obviously Trent Williams doesn't want to play. So you need a tackle, you need a left guard, you need some wide receiver help. You need a tight end. So 
you can go any of those routes. I think third round, my best, like where I'd say is go get yourself probably a guard at that point or take advantage of the deep wide receiver class. Because I think at guard, you can get a massive upgrade. You can get a guy who could probably start right away still at pick 66. Like those, that, that's a position that even the NFL kind of doesn't necessarily value, but you need better pass protection that will help you. So something like that in the third round, I could see. So I, I said Ben Barge would make a lot of sense for them uh, if he falls to there. Pivoting to the New York Giants, wrapping up the NFC East here. Let's start with they have picks four. 36 and 99. And before you tell me who they should target each one, I want to know, are you buying into this idea of them potentially trading Evan Ingram, the tight end? Uh, yeah. I, I, Cause I mean, we've seen how much it actually moves the needle in their offense and not much like th- that's the tight end position in today's NFL. There's not a lot of guys that are real difference makers. So I, I can see it. I, I, I think it's a very distinct possibility. Um, now, would I, I don't think so. I don't think like you're going to get your ROI in terms of a trade. I don't, I don't see him fetching more than like a third at this point. Mm-hmm. And at that point, just, just keep him on the roster. So I, I, I don't know who would be in the market for that. Maybe the, everyone's the smoke's been around the 49ers being in the market for an Evan Ingram. But uh, I, I think that the giants really aren't in a position to be dealing away players who are anywhere, anywhere near, you know, competent at this point. All right. Starting uh, the pick, you know, starting with pick four, we've talked about the Giants a ton. I mean, Dave Gettleman's potentially locked into Mackay Becton, potentially Tristan mm-hmm. Wurst, Isaiah Simmons, Derek Brown. I, I mean, right now, based off all of what you're hearing, where do you think they go it for and where would you go it for? I've, I mean, I, haven't, I don't think I've mocked anyone but Mackay Becton to them, just purely from the, you know, knowing Dave Gettleman's history and what he covets, like big, strong dudes get him going and, and we know this so that's where i think they go i don't see them trading back i just again people fall in love with their guy they have their guy and dave gettleman is a is very much a i'm very confident in my guy i just drafted and how could you not be evaluator. with that binder i mean if you have so, a binder that thick it's hard not to be do as your confident. homework then you know exactly what this guy's going to be at the nfl level that's how it works so dave gettleman he's going to pick someone I believe it's going to be an offensive tackle. They've tried to build through the trenches. Hasn't quite worked out well yet, but that has, I don't think he's all of a sudden going to change a, was it zebra doesn't change his stripes. Is that the saying? I think so. Tiger Tiger doesn't change his stripes. Dave Gettleman doesn't. I don't think either of them do. A giant, (laughs) a giant GM doesn't change his stripes. There you go. I like that. Well, I, I think they have a big need at offensive tackle. I think they, that's probably where they're going to go. I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah's like media conference call, and he's pretty confident they're going offense, specifically offensive tackle at four. I think it's going to be Mekhi Becton. He said Jedrick Wills is kind of his new favorite for the Giants to target on his media conference call. Maybe a Jedrick Wills at four. Who knows? We'll see. But after that, picks 36 and 99. They need help at edge. <laughs> I mean, they're starting Kyle, Kyler Fackrell and Lorenzo Carter at edge they need pass rush help and leonard williams and dexter lawrence though better players than some other interior defensive linemen and they're not offering a ton as pass rushers do they go edge at 36 i think so i think on the wrap they go someone if itor gross matos is still there i think i've mocked him there um i do think they could be in the market for julian aquara he's very similar sort of toolsy guy to lorenzo carter coming out they like big athletic dudes so that would be Julian Aquara. So I, I think they could go edge at the top of the second. That's not necessarily 
great track record of guys hitting at the top of the second, you know, in the second round at the edge defender position. It's not a great class for them, but there are names that we like. Like I said, if they, if they went with the Julian Aquara, we'd be big fans of that move. Dude, Julian Aquara at 36 would be awesome. I, I mean, I, I little bias because I'm coming off a, a very good interview with Aquara, but like you, you are really high on him. He's a freakish athlete. I mean, a lot of the th- line, you know, everything's kind of the stars are aligning with mm-hmm. Julian Aquara and him at the, t- you know, in picks 30 to 40, I think would be a steal in this draft. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in round one. All right, pick 99. They're coming down, third round. W- where do they go? Where do the Giants go to kind of help this team? Is it linebacker? I know they've invested there, Blake Martinez, Ryan Connolly, but like that's still not a great group. Yeah, they at that point you can go anywhere if you're the Giants. Like you can go interior offensive line, get a center. You can even add probably not running back, but you can add some. I wouldn't even be surprised if they added another defensive tackle, even with six on the roster, or however many ridiculous defensive tackles they have that are good on the roster. Uh, they could go a number of different ways. I know they're not 100% sold. Like they moved Julian Love, Notre Dame corner from last year to safety. Uh, I was talking with John Schmielk, the Giants, uh, one of the guys who works for Giants.com, said they're interested. Uh, they could be interested in safety as well, so I could see that somewhere in the third round. But, yeah, at that point, they just need BPA. They just need more talent. All right, let's jump to the next conference, or I guess next division. We're going to the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, this this Atlanta Falcons team feels like they've been close for a while. I, I don't know, with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, like, I mean, great Jarrett. They have a very talented roster, but they still haven't been able to put it together. Pick seven, no, not pick 17. They're picking uh, 16. 16. Where, where do you see this Atlanta Falcons team going early in the round? You've seen someone of them to trade up. I mean, you've seen some rumors there. Do you think they stay put at 16 or trade up? Dude, with how bad their cornerbacks are right now, just the group in general, like Isaiah Oliver was second rounder. He hasn't been great. Jordan Miller was a late rounder last year, I believe. Kendall Sheffield, fourth rounder last year. And I didn't, I wasn't even a fan of him when they did they draft lost him the draft, but He's super fast. And yeah, that's what the thing was there. They lost their best cornerback who, you know, he'd gotten injured, was being paid a lot. They were fine to move on, I guess. But that, that means they're covered. Like it coverage wasn't even good last year with Desmond Trufant. So, I, I do think they need corner. They are the team that looks, you know, like I said, CJ Henderson's not making it 17. It's because I definitely think that the, if he falls to the Falcons, Falcons will be pulling the trigger, if not trading up to go get him. I, I think they're going to have to trade up to go get him. Cause Steve and all his sources says he's very confident. CJ Henderson doesn't get past the Jags at nine. I, I mean, the NFL views CJ Henderson very, very highly. There are some that like him more than Jeffrey Akuda. And when you have some stuff like that, when those type of rumors are flying around, I would not be surprised if CJ Henderson goes a lot higher than people think and is not available to the Falcons at 16 if they aren't able to trade up. Because I would advise against trading up. Trading up for a cornerback, it's going to be very hard to recoup that value with the picks you give up for a cornerback like CJ Henderson. I'm not super confident in CJ Henderson being a sure thing in the NFL regardless. I mean, he does, he has some misses on tape he doesn't have that alpha dog demeanor that you kind of covet at the position i think there are reasons to not feel confident about your projection if they do stay put at 16 if cg henderson is off the board where could they go so it's weird they have like the same like what we just talked about with the cowboys you can almost repeat for the falcons they could go uh defensive interior they go d tackle they go javon kinlaw you know if he's down the board still if they go Derek brown if he's on the board still they could maybe go edge as well they could be in the caleb on chase on sort of mix. I, I think they could also sneakily be in the linebacking, you know, the uh, linebacking for Patrick Queen services. If they stick at 16, because they like athletes, they like on their defense, they like speed. Patrick Queen has it. Deion Jones has it. Uh, and they lost to Campbell in free agency. So I do think that 
you know, if the board plays out that way, those guys could be the picks as well. All right, let's jump to picks 51 and 82 for the Atlanta Falcons. Where else could they go in this draft? I think at pick 51, you could start to think about off-ball linebacker, maybe Willie Gay along with Deion Jones. They got 47 and 78. Oh, sorry, 47 (laughs) and 78. I'm I'm reading the wrong list of picks here, but... 47 and 78. I don't hate Willie Gay. Pair him up with Deion Jones. I mean, it's not a super big needed off ball linebacker, but I think that that speed at off ball linebacker, you pick that up at pick 47. I'd be really happy about that. That's the thing. There are a ton of guys with speed in this linebacking group. You got Willie Gay. I mean, I think Kenneth Murray will be off the board, but he obviously has as well. Jordan Brooks ran the four fives. Akeem Davis Gaither, the Appalachian State guy, can fly. Davion Taylor later in the draft from Colorado can also fly. Like there are dudes that can cover some ground that I think one of them, one of those four or five guys is going to end up in Atlanta uh, when it's all said and done. So that could be the pick. And I think if they miss out on cornerback, you see them go corner at 47. I think that you'll see a lot of cornerbacks go in the second round this year. I just think that's kind of where the value lies at the position uh, in the 2020 draft. Okay, pick now in the third round. Where are the Atlanta Falcons going there? Where do you think, you know, get some good names for them there? I think interior line is still like, I keep saying everyone in the third round interior line, but like James Carpenter stunk last year. I have him on the roster as poor. He's the only guy in this roster I have with a poor projection heading into 2020. And if you watched him in 2019, I don't think you disagree. I know they paid a lot of money for him and that's why he's still on that roster. But that doesn't mean you have to start him. If you did, it doesn't mean you have to get Matt Ryan killed to justify paying him a lot of money. So I, I do think that that could be where they end up going. They obviously love athletic interior offensive linemen. Uh, they, you know, they drafted, gosh, Chris Lindstrom last year had, I think, the highest spark score of any guard. Caleb McGarry had one of the highest of any tackle. This year, I think Danny Pitzer would make a lot of sense for their offensive line in terms of he's the best athlete of any interior offensive guard, like guard in this class later on. Matt Hennessy as well, Temple offensive lineman, very athletic. Those two guys, uh, Hennessy probably more in the third round, Pincher maybe a little bit later on, but I think they could address that position as well. All right, New Orleans Saints, give us your full take. You're, you're, no, hyper, <laughs> no, no hyperbole here. You said 95% chance they're trading up, no hyperbole. What are the Saints doing in the first round of this draft? I truly believe when you look at this roster, they Drew Brees, like you're scraping by, like you got two more years, possibly. I'm not even sure you got one more full year. They like, they have to, they have to do it this year. They've, they've pooped the bed in the playoffs the last couple seasons. I truly think they think they're one player away. They're at 24 right now. Don't have a second round pick. I, so Either they're coughing up a future one to add another second round pick for this year, which is what they did last year, I believe, or they're, you know, coughing up future first for a second this year, or they're coughing up a future first or a future second to move up from 24. I truly believe that because, well, they've done that the last three years. And so I think guys they would target with the way this roster is set up, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, because Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata, Sheldon Rankins hasn't been the same since Torres Achilles. David Onyemata had the suspension last year for PEDs and then just wasn't the same. Like maybe uh, the PEDs were a big reason why he was good back in 2018 and not necessarily in 2019. Uh, So I think it was PEDs. Maybe it was something else, actually. Maybe I'm talking to my ass right now. But David Onyemata wasn't great either last year or uh, trading up for a linebacker. If Isaiah Simmons starts to slip at all, I think they're going to be in the mix to go up and get him. Wow. I mean, that would be incredible. Going up and grabbing Isaiah Simmons would be awesome. You don't think Kiko Alonso is the guy 
You're saying Kiko uh, Alonso is not the guy. We're talking about a little different athletes. You know, Kiko <laughs> Alonso, um, Isaiah Simmons, they look like they're playing two different sports. You don't think that the Saints would want to trade down at all? They don't have a second round pick. I mean, I know they, they this is a very good roster, but like, I, I feel like you look at teams that don't have a second round pick. They don't have like glaring needs to go up and get a guy. I, I, I always advise for the trade down over the trade up, even if, if, if the Saints feel like they need to maximize this window. Austin, <laughs> we know. We both know. We're preaching to the choir here. The Saints, though, that's that's not them. Like that just has never been them. So uh, just don't bank on that happening. They're going to move up, or they're they're or they're going to try to they're going to mortgage future picks for this year. Just guarantee. Do we even do we even look at pick eighty eight? Because they're probably going to mortgage that pick. You know, I don't even know if they're going to pick in there. Do you think? What about fine coming away? I've had I've been on some 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 New Orleans radio hits, and they've been asking about them taking Jordan Love them potentially taking Jordan Love in the back end of the first. And I always told them the same thing you're telling me in terms of the Saints want to maximize this window with Drew Brees. That doesn't mean developing for the future and looking ahead to the future. What percentage chance do you put of them going after Jordan Love in this class? I Well, I have said that Jake Fromm would be interesting there because he's very similar to Brees and everything except for accuracy. Like he does a lot of the same sort of pocket and like field manipulation stuff that Brees can do not even close accuracy wise, but like you could, if breeze goes down again, like he did last year, you could have a serviceable guy for a while. And that's why I put one of their biggest needs, the quarterback to develop. I just don't think they're going to use any sort of realistic draft capital on it. You could see what they go. They went third, third round. They went the Colorado state guy a few years back, whose name's escaping me, who was then trash. And I think he's out of the league entirely. So uh, I don't see going <laughs> earlier than that at this point. All right. Down they to their lesson then. Let's jump to the next team here. The Buccaneers picking up 14. Is this, you've said this before, but offensive tackle or bust? I, I don't know. I feel like that a lot of the offensive tackles could already be off the board. Do they maybe add a wide receiver with that Tom, with Tom Brady now under center? I know they have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but maybe adding another guy there just to really just throw every weapon they've got with the Tom Brady window they have. Oh, man, they have to go tackle though. Like you can't, and, and it's because of when you have a 40 plus year old quarterback, it takes one hit and then he's never the same. Like Peyton Manning tore his quad and then was never the same. Like it just, you don't bounce back at that age. So Tom Brady rolls an ankle, comes up a little wrong. I'm not sure he's going to be the same. And you can't risk that with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with how much they've just coughed up and just thrown into these next two years. So Joe Haig is not going to be my right tackle next year. So if it takes trading up, if like you said, there is a run on the tackles coming and they don't, and one's not going to make it to 14, don't be surprised if they're moving up in this draft, coughing up some, you know, third round or a couple fourth rounders that they got. Don't be surprised if that's the case. Here's my take. Don't trade up. Trade that 45th overall pick to the Washington Redskins. No, trade (laughs) trade that 45th overall pick to the Washington Redskins for Trent Williams. Because the tackle you grab trading up is not a guarantee to be a high-end producer in year one regardless. I think they are one of the top candidates to trade for Trent Williams, no? If they – I mean, if – I have no clue what the Redskins are doing because they sat on Trent Williams for a whole year when they're in a full rebuild. Like one of the dumbest just decisions I've ever seen from outside as like an outsider's perspective, like they should have dealt him right off the rip. There was no reason to hang on to him for any, like maybe they, again, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes with trade offers, but to think that someone wouldn't have given up a second round pick for Trent Williams last year is insane to me. Like someone had to have been willing to part ways with it. So uh, I would give up the 45th overall pick for Trent Williams in a heartbeat. Yes. 
I, I don't know if the Redskins would be willing to give up Trent Williams at this point from what we've seen from them. And I think they could fit I, I, would, I, I think that would be smart. I mean, that would be way smarter than trying to fill an offensive tackle need at 14, let alone trading up to try and fill that need. Because I guarantee you, even if like our favorite tackle in this class, Andrew Thomas, is not going to be a 90.0 plus or even an 80.0 plus graded tackle in year one. You just don't see that. Like you're not going to have that production from any of the tackles in year one. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's frustrating to even think about. I don't want them trading up. I think they need to be going after Trent Williams. All right. Pick 14. It's offensive tackle or bust. Andrew Thomas, best tackle available. Let's look at picks 45 and 76. If they don't trade for Trent Williams, where are they going at 45? And where, where, they, where can they add value at 76? For 76, I love the K.J. Hill fit. I, I think him in the slot inside of uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin would be awesome. For, for 45, what are you thinking? Yeah, I, so I think slot receiver at, at one of these points. So 45, the slot receiver is kind of after the first round that I think could be available. You got K.J. Hamler, Penn State. That'd make a lot of sense in round two. You got Tyler Johnson, Minnesota. He's probably more round three guy. You'd make a lot of sense. I think Chase Claypool could be like a big slot for them. Notre Dame guy. Uh, that could make sense. I pick 45 KJ Hill. We've said third round or fourth round. Uh, I, I think those are the guys I would attack if I were them at, if I'm, if I'm going to draft a receiver, those would be the guys that I'd want. I, I mean, I'm, I'm for it. I think, I mean, people saying that the Bucks don't need to add a receiver, I, I would argue against that. I think adding another receiver to just fuel the fire makes a ton of sense. All right, Carolina Panthers, the Matt Rule era, how are they kicking this thing off? Man, they're like, they're kind of a turning point in the draft because I don't exactly know where they would want to go with pick seven. Like, I think if Isaiah Simmons is there, I would go him, but... James Lynch, maybe? I are mean, you... Baylor, Bear, Baylor Bears? <laughs> Get reunite the Baylor Bears? <laughs> Maybe in the third, maybe, maybe don't trade back into the first, but maybe in the third, we'll see. Uh, but I do think that the thing about drafting Isaiah Simmons, you just had Luke Keekley. Is there, is there some thought to, and in my mock that comes out Thursday, I don't have them drafting Isaiah Simmons because like the whole, he'll always be compared to Luke Keekley every single year of his career that like, you don't even want to put that on a guy to do. I know that's a crazy sort of outsider, like shouldn't come in the, shouldn't factor into if you draft a guy or not. True. But that has to, like, if you're, like, you have to be thinking about that if you're Marty Herney, the GM of the Carolina Panthers, right? Like, that's yeah, something that's I, probably in his mind right now, being like, he's going to get compared to Luke Keekley and, you know, never going to be able to fill shoes like that. I could I, really, I, I think this is where Derek Brown's floor, realistic floor feels for me. I don't know if the Carolina Panthers would pass on Derek Brown. I, I, and I think yeah. there's a good chance he could slip outside of the top five, top six and follow them at seven. And like high floor pick, I, I, and you know you're getting a good run defender. I, I hate to keep cornerstone. Cornerstone pick. But I, I I hate to keep bringing up Daniel Jeremiah's media call, but it was very insightful in that he's like, I'm lower on Derek Brown than a lot of my colleagues. He's not going to be a premier pass rusher, more of a pocket pusher. A lot of the things we've said. And he said, for that reason, though, you know, though, he's going to be a very, very good run defender. And he's still, I think, fifth or sixth on his board because teams are going to really covet that ability. I could really see the Carolina Panthers playing it safe, quote unquote, safe with a player they really feel comfortable or confident in his projection as a very good cornerstone run defender in their defense. And, uh, and Derek Brown. Yeah, I think him or Kinlaw would, it would make sense. Like that, it, you could be something to kick off your sort of era there by a guy that you know is just going to be solid no matter. Like, there, not a lot of risk to a Derek Brown pick. Not like I, I think I've yes, said, I agree. I've said on the, 
I think I said this on the forecast when I went on there, they were like, I wouldn't draft Derek Brown in the first round. They were saying that I was like, he's, he's gonna in the next, over the next four years, I would bet good money that he finishes top 20 in terms of wins above replacement. Like I feel confident that that's going to be the case, but I'd also feel very confident that he's going to end up between 15 and 20 and not and, and have a much better chance of finishing there than he does between one and 10 because I just don't see the high end. So that's kind of where I am with Derek Brown, that you have a top 10 pick. You should feasibly be able to chase some higher end that also has a high floor. Like guys like Isaiah Simmons, I think are higher end capabilities with high floors as well. So I think ideally it would be Isaiah Simmons, but like I said, back of the sort of back of your head, he's always, if you draft him top 10, he's always going to get the key. If you draft a linebacker in the second round, they're never, no one's going to ever make that comparison because you know, you don't have the hype there, but with Isaiah Simmons, you would. Yeah. All right. So I, I think Isaiah Simmons and Derek Brown have been two names I've seen kind of constantly mocked to the Carolina Panthers at seven. Before we get to their picks, 38 and 69, the other two top 100 picks they have, I want to bring this up. Jeffrey Akuda likely is not falling past three, four. Like, I mean, there's just no way he falls to like seven. If he doesn't, you've been hearing rumors about C.J. Henderson being viewed higher than most. They do not have a ton of talent at the cornerback position. Dante Jackson, Dominique Hatfield, Hatfield, Corn Elder. Like this is a bad cornerback group, especially now that James Bradbury's gone. Would they be crazy to take CJ Henderson at seven? Could you see that potentially happening? Man, yeah, I think they'd be crazy. So let me couch this by saying I have no clue what defense Phil Snow is going to run. Like I, if you're if he rolls out next year and they play the most man coverage in the NFL by all means, go ahead and draft CJ Henderson. Like you, you, if you play a ton of man coverage, like that's your most valuable position on the football field by far, or after quarterback, most valuable position on the defense is your cornerbacks then. So go ahead and do that. But, uh, I think just in sort of a, you know, from a value perspective, how we see CJ Henderson, I think that'd be crazy to do, but that's just me. All right, picks 38 and 69. Where, where are the Carolina Panthers going there? They have needs at cornerback. I think 38 would be a huge opportunity for them to address it. We've talked about that value at the quarterback class between like picks 25 and 40. Maybe a Jeff Gladney here, maybe yeah. Jalen Johnson. I mean, I, 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 Jeff Gladney, I've, I've written, a, a, written an article, wrote an article for PFF.com on Gladney, written an article, geez. And I, 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 I like the Carolina Panthers as a, as a fit in the defensive scheme they ran previously. Obviously, you don't know what Snow's going to run, but I like Gladney. And Dante Jackson, I feel really good about that speed. I feel really good about that tenacity opposite what you feel about with CJ Henderson. I think Gladney is a, is a name I really like at 38. Yeah, Gladney. The only thing about if you draft Gladney and you have Dante Jackson, they're small as hell. Two <laughs> small ass corners. Yeah, you have two like sub 190 pound corners. Uh, and that's just something they get worried about from a, you know, sort of matchup perspective. So I, I think they might go or they, they could be in play for like a Noah Igbenogamy from Auburn. Uh, again, not sure what they're going to run, but I think he would, he'd be a different body type than uh, Dante Jackson there. Mike, can I use this as an opportunity to, I feel like I've given you some flack for the AJ Terrell pick. I mean, your value of AJ Terrell. I went back and watched all of his reps against Jamar Chase. And that's a game where people kind of talk about him getting kind of dogged a bit, but I mean, he got dogged at the catch point. But yes. I think he's in phase a ton. Like you watch yes. all of his reps. He was asked, he didn't shadow Jamar Chase, but he was in one-on-one press at the line of scrimmage with Chase a lot. And I came away really impressed with that game when you didn't just watch the targets. Cause and that first deep touchdown along the right sideline, that was OPI. Let's call it what it is. Like that was, that was a <laughs> exactly. late push. 
that was yes. a late push and he got kind of beat down a little bit. Did not look physical, did not look, I'd say competent, but that's a little bit of an aggressive word at the catch point. But again, you still saw the movement skills and you compare the movement skills for AJ Terrell versus you watch all of the routes Jamar Chase ran against Trayvon Diggs. It's night and day, brother. Like Trayvon Diggs is not sticking with Jamar Chase from a hip fluidity standpoint. So I just wanted to use this as an opportunity that I think I'm higher on AJ Terrell after going back and watching those snaps. Anyway. No, yeah. Uh, no, on Dell. So his movement skills are great. Like it's one of those things where his biggest weakness, like those things, those catch point things, he just needs to get more physical. He needs to get stronger. Yes. He's 21 years old. Like the dude will get stronger. Like he, he has that people get stronger. That's a, that's a, that's what 21 year olds do when they get to the NFL. That's something that's an area where he can very much improve his sort of like, you can't necessarily improve Jesus, improve flexibility, hip fluidity, the things he already has, uh, you know, a lot of there at Clemson. Mm-hmm. So I do think that he's still very much with the first, first round pick. All right, before we jump to the NFC North and NFC West to finish the podcast, got a little read from our sponsors here, and our sponsors are PFF, PFF's running promo code. Use oh, promo shit. code Use promo code DRAFT2020 to save 30% off on any of PFF's annual subscriptions and gain access to our 1,250-page 2020 NFL Draft Guide, courtesy of Mike Renner, myself, and several others. Jeff Ratcliffe, our lead fantasy analyst, his 2020 Fantasy Rookie Scouting Report, interactive big board, new and improved player grades experience, all with new look data visualizations and advanced player production grades for every player in the NFL. You can have it all with PFF's Edge or Elite subscription. And remember... Promo code DRAFT2020 saves you 30% off any PF, any of PFF's annual subscriptions. Do that. Support PFF. Support the 2 for 1 Drafts pod. Down to the NFC North here. Green Bay Packers. Your team. Your hometown team here. At pick 30, everyone wants them to go after Denzel Mims. I've seen of late them going into your offensive line. Maybe Cesar Ruiz or an offensive tackle like Ezra Cleveland. Where are you thinking for the Green Bay Packers at 30? So, first off, just to jump off that ad read, I'm going through right now and using the pages from the draft guide, the team pages to talk more intelligently about this. Now it's all in the back of my mind, but just to refresh my memory, cause you have color coded depth charts to show you where the strengths and weaknesses are, the three biggest needs for every team, all their draft selections, their five-year draft history, how much draft capital they've allocated each position. So those will be really cool to follow along with come draft day, Green Bay Packers. I'm from Milwaukee. Uh, I'm a Packers shareholder. I need to say that Stop. in terms of Stop. I am biased in this situation. I can't help it with the Packers, but dude, they need wide receiver. They got to go wide receiver. I just was back watching some Jordy Nelson highlights the other day. Cause that's what I do in my free time. Um, and just the way he attacked the football and so many big plays were not open down the football field. It was, you know, Rogers puts it in a spot where only Jordy can get it. And then Jordy goes and gets it. They don't have a guy outside of Devontae Adams that does that. And Devontae is not even like, that's not really his game is being physical and making plays at the catch point. He is a separator. He can go up and get it, but he's not a play through contact kind of guy. Devin Funchess, I mean, kind of is, is at least better than what they have in the roster in that, but he's not, he can't get open like at all. They need a, a guy who can be physical, win at the catch point and has some athleticism that is Michael Pittman Jr. to me. That's who, I, that's who I think they should go with pick 30. Really? Michael Pittman Jr. over Michael Jalen Pittman Rager? Jr. If both Jalen Rager and Michael Pittman Jr. are on the board, are you going Pittman over Rager? I'm going Pittman over Rager. Wow. I'm putting my stamp in it. Even though Rager is higher on our draft board, I just I think that he will win the routes that Aaron Rodgers likes to target more, and that's more go. valuable to them. 
All right, talk to me about offensive tackle because, I mean, yeah. the Green Bay Packers want that to address that that right tackle position. And obviously at pick 30, we don't feel the value's good. I think maybe it's Ezra Cleveland there, Ben Barch. You're picking the fifth or sixth best offensive tackle in the class at 30 if you are picking tackle. Is there an opportunity at, say, pick 62 or 94 for them to get better at that position? So I'm going to give my take here, and this is not going to – people are going to hate this again, but this is uh, Elkton Jenkins – should be the right tackle of the future. Oh my God. He really? Is, he is. So he, he's 6'4, 310, has 34 inch arms, is athletic, played right tackle early in his career at Mississippi State. He already showed he could play center at a high level at Mississippi State and then played guard at a high level as a rookie. To me, he should be the guy because he has all the physical tools to do it. Yes, he hasn't necessarily done it, but we've seen like he's been capable of playing a bunch of different positions at a high level. Like he's obviously a talented dude. That's who I think they should move out to right tackle because it's easier to find a guard than it is a guy with the traits to play offensive tackle. And you already kind of have one on your roster in Elton Jenkins. I would give him the shot because at pick 30, he's going to be better than what you're going to get at pick 30 at tackle. Cause there's going to be run on tackles in this class and there's not going to be, it's all going to be projects at that point. I kind of love that take because if you're able to move Elton Jenkins to right tackle and then maybe at pick 62 or even 94 at an interior offensive lineman to replace him and say Natani Muti, Jonah Jackson, Damian Lewis, all the guys we like at interior offensive line, maybe even Cesar Ruiz, though I think he'll go much earlier. You, th- yeah. That's the right way to approach it. Because if you try and reach a tackle at 30 or take like a Lucas Niang at 62, I mean, things aren't going to go well. Like they, they, Lucas Niang is not going to be much better, if not worse, than Rick Wagner next year. Like, that, like that's w- what you're doing. Exactly. If you're trying to address the position at 62. Very interesting stuff. All right. What about off-ball linebacker? They lost yeah. Blake Martinez. They're going to be starting Christian Kirksey, Oren Burks next year at off-ball linebacker. Do you see that as an option? And Because I don't feel really good about them taking a linebacker not named Isaiah Simmons or Patrick Queen at 30. If they reach on Kenneth Murray, that would be disgusting. I've heard Jordan Brooks might go in the first round. I think that would be a reach. 62-94, what's your take? I, so I think Jordan Brooks would be a reach, but I think that I'd rather have him for their scheme than Kenneth Murray's. Because what they do, what they did with like Blake Martinez was they would kind of ask him to just flow with the runs. They do a lot of, uh, they were like a, a gap down every run last year with Mike Patton. Like they emphasize pass defense over everything and obviously came back to bite him in the NFC championship game. But like they asked Blake Martinez to basically play multiple gaps and just flow with runs and then clean up stuff over the top. When you've seen kind of Murray try to do that, his instincts and like being able to find where the ball is going have been bad. Like it could be a nightmare if they go Kenneth Murray there at pick 30 and try to get him, you know, up to speed in that defense. It takes some instincts at the position. Jordan Brooks, I don't think has like the coverage ability that Kenneth Murray does in the pure burst, but he's a pretty darn good athlete in his own right. And he's very good at sniffing out ball carriers and, and making run reads that Kenneth Murray was not good at. So I would prefer him in that defense. If you are going to go linebacker at 30, I'm not sure he's, I don't think he's going to be on the board 62 Jordan Brooks. So maybe if they don't go linebacker there, maybe trade up for Jordan Brooks. I do think he'd be a great fit for their defense. Uh, but I do think like they also do need linebacker Oren Burks, Christian Kirksey. I don't think we're going to cut it in 2020. We're on to the Detroit lions picks three 35. You want to talk and, more about the Packers. That was fun. No, we're done with the Packers okay. uh, picks three 35 and 67. Let's start with this. What are the percentage chances that the Detroit Lions trade back from three. I, I feel like it's high. Where do you feel? How confident do you feel like they were trading back from three to allow, let's say, a Miami Dolphins or a Chargers to move up and grab Tua? I, I'll put it right now at 75%. Because it doesn't make any sense. 
like they can go below trade sharp value because they're still going to get Okuda, right? I, I, I would think they're still going to get Okuda. Now, the Falcons have made plays to leap up before, and if they do trade back, they could be usurped by the Falcons going all the way to four and getting Jeffrey Okuda. That's a possibility. But then in that case, you get Isaiah Simmons. Like you get, you still get an impact player. So I do think there's a good chance that they do move back. I mean, all the names that have been tied to the Detroit Lions make a ton of sense. I mean, it's Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons. Like you're not, don't go beyond that. Don't don't take a risk at three or five, wherever they end up picking. I think the media has been right about where the Detroit Lions should attack with that number three or number five overall pick, but not much has been said about the 35 picks, 35 and 67. This, this team has a need at edge defender, offensive mm-hmm. line. I mean, they, they could address needs at 35 and 67 as well. Yeah, so 35, to me, I would pencil that in as an edge guy right now, just the way it seems to be shaping up. And AJ Epinesa, if he falls out of the first round, I think that's where his, his sort of stopping point is because he'd make a lot of sense for them defensively. Or I think Julian Aquara, pairing with his brother there, would make a lot of sense also. So uh, I do think that 35 looks like it's shaping up to be an edge rusher at this point. And for 67, is that an opportunity to potentially get better at a linebacker? Though I know they feel pretty confident about their linebacking core. Jamie Collins, Gerard Davis, they've invested at that position. That is a concern for me. Do they get better? I don't know. I mean, I think offensive line probably makes a lot of sense at 67 if maybe you can grab a developmental offensive tackle or an interior offensive lineman. Again, maybe double dip. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at that point, you're kind of just – you probably hit needs that you can go a lot of different places. I don't think any position would necessarily be off the board then at pick 67. Okay. Moving to the Chicago bears. They do not have a first round pick. They do not have an opportunity to make a significant upgrade over Mitch Trubisky. It sucks to suck round one. No pick (laughs) round three. No pick. They have picks 43 and 50 in this draft. What's the best case scenario for this Bears team? Even though even the best case scenario doesn't make this team super competitive, knowing that Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles will be playing under center. I think safety corner. Like you got to get that defense dominant. Like that's that's your hope at this point. Uh, you can add all the talent you want offensively. You can't. There's so many. There's only so much lipstick you can put on a pick. Like your offense is not going to be great, no matter. Like you're you're getting diminishing returns there. But if you hit on I've penciled in Antoine Winfield to them like at 43, making a lot of sense. If you hit on a safety right off the rip, if you hit on a cornerback right off the rip, you know, improve upon Deion Bush and Artie Burns right now and get that, de- like I said, get that defense back to 2018 form. That's what gives you a chance of not only making the playoffs, but, you know, ultimate goal, making the Super Bowl is to make that defense utterly dominant. Now they got to hit on both to do so, but that's where I'd be going if I were them. I love that Antoine Winfield fit for them at 43 or 50. I mean, there's been some rumors that Delpit kind of falls in this draft. If he falls to 43, I think that would be another good fit for the Bears as well. Yeah, I love so I, the fit I love for Delpit. I think I said in the last pod, Delpit to the Chargers at 37 would just be like, oof, just the most instinctual cornerback group in the NFL. But continue. <laughs> All right, let's get to the Minnesota Vikings here. They have two first-round picks. They traded Stephon Diggs away for the Bills' uh, first-round pick. They have picks 22 and 25. We said this before, very similar to the, the Raiders in that attacking wide receiver and cornerback would be a huge step in the right direction for this team at 22 and 25. That's where the value of this draft makes sense. That's where best, you know, uh, where their needs are. I think 22 and 25 in some order, taking a wide receiver and a cornerback would be, would be very valuable for this Vikings team. Yeah, the only so 
I just don't know. So they need an interior defensive line help also. Like I could see them going Ross Blacklock, Justin Matabuki, like being a team that reaches on one of those guys in the first, because I'm not sure either. I'm not sure. So there's a kind of like second tier of DTs. That's Jordan Elliott, Marlon Davidson, Justin Matabuki, Ross Blacklock, and Neville Gallimore. That's kind of like the second tier. I'm not sure if all five of those guys make it to 58 and or if any of those five make it 58, like they could all be off the board. And if all those guys are off the board, you kind of SOL there and you're starting Shamar Stefan again, and you can't have that happen. So um, I, I do think that they're, they're not like we keep saying that wide receiver and corner massive, massive needs have to hit those, but there, I could see a situation where they go elsewhere uh, in round one. What about AJ Epinesa? I, I feel like I really like that fit for the Minnesota Vikings at the back end of round one, maybe pick 25. So I, I feel the Odenigbo was not bad last year. Like he was all right in the rotation wall. I don't think they have to hit edge defender, but I do like the AJ Epinesa fit. I, I also think like, so they obviously love Mike Zimmer has always loved long lean guys. We'd say AJ Epinesa, Etor Gross Matos, Trevis Gibson, Terrell Lewis, I think all fit that mold. And I would imagine they're going to leave you know, this draft with probably one of those guys. And and so moving forward, I mean, with the other pick they have, they have pick 58, and they also have 89 and 105 in the third round. I think they can go, I mean, almost anywhere here. I think thinking about what Zimmer likes, though, if he can get one of these developmental pieces at corner, specifically slot corner, I think that's where this draft has a ton of value. Amik Robertson, Darnay Holmes, Kayvon Wallace, yeah. maybe somewhere in the third round for the Vikings. That would be a fun to get like a, a Meek or Josiah Scott, get another slot corner in there. I, I think they one zillion percent need to just throw some resources at O-line. Like, I can't, God, I keep saying it in the middle of like third, but like get anyone in there to compete with Elfline and Drew Samia. Like you're not going to replace Garrett Bradbury right now, but you probably should think about replacing Pat Elfline after what we've seen from him. Yeah, it's been tough for that guy in the middle of middle of defense. Yeah. All right, moving to the San Francisco 49ers. They have picks 13 and 31 after trading DeForest Buckner to the Indianapolis Colts. At 13, everyone has been saying, go get a wide receiver to compliment Debo Samuel and the like. Help Jimmy Garoppolo squeeze that window with him. I think just fill that offense with playmakers that could do damage with the ball in their hands and just let Jimmy Garoppolo facilitate. Is, receive, is it receiver or bust for the 49ers at 13? I... Don't I know? I, so like, I think they could go elsewhere. I, I think I give them a 50, 50 shot of drafting wide receiver at 13. Like that. I don't think it's incredibly likely or like 100% pencil it in sort of thing at all. Like, I think there's a number of different ways they go with that pick. Uh, obviously I think that's where your best sort of ROI, the best where the value will be in the class and what would have the most impact in 2020 would be at receiver. But I think they could even like Javon Kinlaw's on the board at 13. You're telling me they're gonna pass in Javon Kinlaw? Like I think they'd probably go Javon Kinlaw after their like their draft sort of history of late. They just love investing in that defensive line. So I, I could see them going back to the well there. I could see them uh even addressing offensive tackle and taking advantage of this deep tackle class with some some foresight added here, knowing that Joe Staley's what, 35, 36 at this point? Like he's no strange chicken, even though he's been great still. Uh, his days, he's not going to be your left tackle forever. So that, you know, your guy kind of in place to take over him once all said and done. Man, I mean, this 49ers team is in a very good spot to get better at picks 13 and 31. I don't know if they can necessarily go wrong. I, I really do like the idea that they, they don't have a ton of needs, but I think they can, they have ways to the football field at a lot of different positions. They can get better yeah. in that regard. I think that's where I'm kind of most excited with them. Of the receivers, 
that are that say they have the pick of the litter, what makes the most sense for Kyle Shanahan's scheme? I've been asked that before. I've said Jerry Judy, he's the top receiver on PFF's board. But is there another receiver that you think maybe complements what um, Kyle Shanahan wants to do more? No, I, I think Judy makes the most sense. Like they have Marquise Goodwin. If you want a guy who just has speed, which I'm not sure Ruggs is going to bring too much more than just like the speed threat early on in his career. You want that guy, like you got Marquise Goodwin. He runs in the four two. So he has speed. If you want just a guy to run that go route or run, you know, deep over, he's your guy. So uh, I I don't think that your sort of incremental returns are going to be. You're they're going to be your incremental returns are going to be the most Jerry Judy, if that makes any goddamn sense. I, I kind of think I got that. I'm not <laughs> sure if I did though. All right, Arizona Cardinals starting with pick eight. I, we've seen offensive tackle. I've boxed Tristan Wirfs to them a handful of times. I feel really good about that, just knowing that they want to get athletic at that position and get help at that position. But you've been hearing Kyler Murray is is campaigning to reunite with CeeDee Lamb and bring him at eight. Where, where do you think the Arizona Cardinals go? Oh, man, I would love if they went CeeDee Lamb. Uh, actually, in my upcoming mock, I'm trading back because I think you can trade back in this and still take advantage of the deep tackle class. And this is a team that just like, they got a lot of holes. You're drafting that eighth because things weren't great last year. They could help interior offensive line, interior defensive line, linebacker still could maybe use some help in their secondary. It's just a lot of different needs. So I, I think the OT is pick one or O line is their pick, their first pick, wherever it is. But then after that, man, toss it up. Just wherever, wherever the value is, that's where I'd go if I were the Cardinals. I, I think they can't go wrong at pick eight is the thing. I mean, going after yeah. an offensive tackle. Now that you're here on Daniel Jeremiah said Jedrick Wills might go four to the New York Giants. I think Tristan Worse is my guy there at eight. If you are going offensive tackle and he's still available, if not, I don't give a hell. Go go get CeeDee Lamb. I'm all for it, man. Go just upgrade That'd this roster. DeAndre Dude, Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb. That. that that would be pretty freaking I, awesome. What about I'll the other say, picks they do have? Go ahead. I mean, I'll say, dude, one Larry Fitzgerald is like a shadow of Larry Fitzgerald at this point. He's yeah. great, great catch, great ball skills, like the most elite ball skills of all time, arguably. Dude can't, can barely move. Uh, Christian Probably Kirk. Probably a great mentor, though. Christian Kirk is just not a needle mover. He's not been good for them. I know he's a second round pick, but straight up hasn't been, I think he broke like two tackles on 50 some catches last year, and a lot of them were screens. He just isn't necessarily a dynamic playmaker. So they could use that guy. So I, I would love if they did go CD Lamb. All right. Um, what about the other picks they've got in this first round? I mean, in the first hundred picks here, pick 40 and pick 72. Again, more play, more play, uh, options. If they don't go offensive tackle at eight and they have to address it at 40, is Ezra Cleveland, Ben Barch kind of the dream scenario for them to play at right tackle opposite of DJ Humphreys? Well, so they got Marcus Gilbert and they traded for him. They don't have to year one go. You know, like they don't have to go tackle right now. Like they can trot that back out and hope that everyone stays healthy. I think everyone just keeps saying tackle because, you know, Gilbert wasn't healthy last year and is pretty old at this point. Uh, and, and you'd like, you you'd just like to upgrade that offensive line. You'd like to get a guy in there. So it's not necessarily like massive, massive need. You go into your line with pick 40, uh, or I, I think they're just, they're really bad at the edge. Like after, uh, after Chandler Jones, I mean, Zach Allen's more of an interior guy. They drafted in the third last year. And after that, they really got nothing. So I think they could go edge. Again, I keep saying the top of the second round, you'll probably see a lot of edges go. 
All right, jumping to the Seattle Seahawks. Picks 27, 59, and 64. Where does it go wrong for the Seattle Seahawks at 27? Is it Isaiah Wilson? I've been hearing that. I, I kind of want to buy into it. I could totally see the Seahawks going after Isaiah Wilson, the Georgia offensive tackle at 27. Is that how this goes wrong for the Seattle Seahawks? Dude, um, first off, in looking at their five-year draft history is almost criminal in what they've selected. So 2015, no first round pick. 2016, Jermaine Ifedi, 53.8 career grade to this point. 2017, no first round pick. 2018, Rashad Penny, 71.1 overall grade. I still believe in Rashad Penny, but you drafted a running back in the first round. And then 2019, LJ Collier, 48.6 overall grade. It's been bad. They need to turn around that trend. This is why you're like the Super Bowl window is not has not been open over the past handful of years for the Seattle Seahawks. They just haven't added talent in the draft the way they were, you know, from 2010 to 2013. So that just like has to change around. But again, like the roster so bad because of that, that I think it can go pretty much anywhere besides probably secondary, not going to go secondary, probably not going to go. Uh, I mean, I was quarterback. Uh, I wouldn't imagine wide receiver early, but I mean, they could, still at a slot and then any other position seems like it could be on the board. I think they'd be best to take a corner. I know they trade for Quentin Dunbar, but like they're still not great at cornerback. They could use depth and slot corner, maybe in round two picks 59, 64, yeah, but at 20 slot. Yeah. But at 27, don't I, I, I argue against reaching for offensive tackle need there. I, I think you can get better at other positions. I think they can get better at edge. I know they just drafted LJ Collier, but maybe there isn't a fit for them either. They're in an interesting spot because their needs don't really fit where they pick. I would, I would be interesting. I need to go do a study just to see like how many offensive tackles. Cause I know in the past five years I did like off tackles drafted on day three, how many were like quality starters off the bat. And it was the lowest of any position group in the NFL in terms of just how many wow. ended up being good. Just don't find them. So it would be interesting to me how many, you know, tackles at pick 27 are actually going to be upgrades for you in year one. All right, we're going to finish the podcast with the Los Angeles Rams, another team that does not have a ton of draft capital, but they're in a weird situation because they need to get a lot better. I mean, it sucks that Jared Goff is not like really developed beyond that really kind of season that got him that money. But in addition to that, they need help into your offensive line. Edge rush is a disaster. Cornerbacks, I mean, outside of Jalen Ramsey, have some developmental players. Like this team needs to get a lot better, but they don't have a first round pick. Just picks 52 and 57 inside the top 60 and then picks 84 and 104 in the third round. Yeah, it's they kind of they kind of mismanaged shit there for a little bit. Like that they they had some checks that they were trying to cash come back to haunt them that I, I didn't think they they thought they thought Todd Gurley would be a cornerstone piece. They thought Brand Cooks would be a cornerstone piece and it turns out they weren't. And that's how you get in the situation they are, but the thing is they're still like not bad off. You have Aaron Donald, you have Jalen Ramsey now. Uh, and you have Sean McVay. So I, I think if they just shore up that offensive line a little bit, like they were in the Super Bowl two years ago now, like in 2018 season. So just shore up that offensive line a little bit. I think 52 and 57, I could see them going O-line to try to help two interior guys. Uh, could, maybe even one of them could be a tackle or a guy uh, who has like tackle guard versatility it, because it's it's bad on the interior there. And that 
what Jared Goff just showed he could not play under pressure last season. I, I also think this receiving core needs some juice. I mean, KJ Hamler at pick 52 kind of gets me excited because trotting out Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Josh Reynolds, like you're not, there's not a lot of juice in that receiving core. I mean, you have Daryl Henderson there that's off. I, I think he'll be a good skill player at that position. But like, in addition to interior offensive line, I don't love the weapons Jared Goff has. Yes, I like Woods and Cup, but like, I still think you need some explosiveness there. Could receiver be an option at 52 and 57 in such a deep class maybe darnell mooney Tulane. oh man i would i don't think so I, I just think they kind of like saw last year that hey we like the three wide receivers weren't the problem we're like what they had them when they were good and they had them when they were bad offensively i think they know that that offensive line just needs to be revamped Man, they're in such a tough spot. Like you said, mismanaged that Los Angeles Rams team. And I, I look at picks 84 and 104, and I just don't see how they significantly get better with those kind of late third round picks. It's just those are options for depth pieces and stuff. If they want to, you know, like maximize the window they're in now, really win for 2020, they have to nail picks 52 and 57 and maybe it is into your offensive line all right that's going to do it for the tuesday edition of two for one drafts we are going to do another pre-draft podcast our last pre-draft podcast of the 2020 nfl draft tomorrow and then every podcast after that is going to be recapping the mayhem that is the 2020 nfl draft mike i'm super excited i hope you are as well until next time guys austin gale mike renner two for one drafts 